two things in my message this morning, two things in the passage that we come to. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 through 31. We come to a very fascinating passage this morning. And it's fascinating and it's awesome because everything in God's Word is fascinating and awesome. Everything is mind-blowing. When you get into God's Word, me personally, when I get into God's Word, whether it's in a Bible study at home, I envision myself as a little kid going out there and turning on the fire hydrant and getting in the blast of that water and it just blowing you out of the water because that's what God's Word does to us. When you soak it in and you believe it and you have faith in it, it changes everything. And what I see in the text this morning is really two things. Two things I wanna, I'm trying to communicate to you this morning. One is this. I want to stress to you the importance of this statement. Um, being connected matters. Being connected matters. You being connected and being an integral part of the church is so, so important. It's so important. Church life is important. It's very important as a believer in Jesus Christ that, you're, that you are connected to the body. And the second the second thing I see in our text this morning is this. Let me ask you a question. Simple question. What is the church? What is, what is the church? It is the, thank you, Rodney. It is the body of Christ. So many times, and I'm not against it, we say, hey, let's go to church. And I'm, I'm okay with it, okay? I'm not against that statement. Because in our culture, in our society, we like to say, let's go to church, thinking about the building. But in reality, the building is not a church. You are the church. You, the, the church, uh, the Greek word for church is ecclesia. It means those who have been called out of the world, they've been called by God, and they've been established on Jesus Christ. And they're called out to shine forth his glorious light. In our text this morning, I counted the word, uh, in, when we use the word church, the biblical meaning is it's the iglesia, the ones that are called out, but we call that the body, the body of Christ. And in, uh, in this passage that we're looking at, verses 11 through 31, 18 times the apostle Paul uses the word body. So what do you think, that, what do you think the uh, focus of the message should be on? The body. <laughs> the, the body. The body. Now, as I said before, it's very important that you're connected. Students, you go off to college, you go off into the military, wherever you go, it's so important that you find a church and that you try and you find a fellowship. You move to another city, you go somewhere. One of your top priorities is to find a body of believers to be connected. It's so, so important. So, so important. I was talking with a friend this week, and this person's going through a very difficult situation. Very difficult situation. Very heartbreaking situation. And I told this individual, I said, what you need more than anything right now is fellowship. You need some Christians that can hold you through this difficult time. And I encourage this individual to go to Bible study, to go to fellowship. What happens, I want to give you four things before we start my teaching this morning to lay the groundwork. Uh, I want to give you four things that happen when you're not connected to the body. Four things that happen when you're not connected to the body. The first one is, there's no challenge to grow. There's no challenge coming from other believers to grow. You become 
stagnant. I like to say it this way. Your Christianity becomes a religion. And everybody has religion. You need something vibrant, something alive inside of you. And that comes from being a part of the body and being challenged by other believers and, and, being, and being in fellowship. Believe it or not, just you coming here this morning, okay, just you coming into this auditorium this morning is a powerful thing. Because before service, during service, and after service, you can be rubbing shoulders with other believers. You can be rubbing shoulders with other believers. And it's going to give some of you guys an opportunity to say to another believer, how are you doing? And it gives you an opportunity to open up. It gives you an opportunity. But you need to be challenged to grow. You don't want to become stagnant. Number two, the, number, the second reason, the second thing that will happen when you're not connected, you're more likely to fall away. You're more likely to fall away from the faith. There's uh, two, two swords there. There's no accountability. There's no accountability. And as Christians, we're called to hold each other accountable. There's no accountability to be in the Word, to be in prayer, to be living the Christian life. And then on the flip side of that, there's no encouragement. There's no encouragement. And you need that encouragement. And when you don't have that encouragement, when that encouragement wanes, you tend to fall away. You tend to drift away. It's natural human tendency to drift away. Number three, there's no support when things go south. Christians are not exempt from tragedy. They're not exempt from bad things happening in life. And when tragedy strikes, when something goes wrong with a marriage or something goes wrong with a family and you're not in fellowship, where, where does that put you? If you're not in fellowship and you don't have solid believers, that puts you on an island. That puts you on an island by yourself. And that's the last place you want to be. You want to be in fellowship. Ladies, you need the ladies in this room to hold you, to undergird you, to pray for you, to encourage you. And men, the same with us. We need each other. I need Jimmy. Jimmy needs Maurice. All the way around this room, we're all linked together. We need one another. We, we need one another so that when things go south, we can pay, take a trip over to your house or go meet you at Starbucks for a cup of coffee and, and encourage you and lift you up going through your difficult trial, through your difficult situation. And finally, the fourth, re the fourth thing that happens when you're not connected is this. This is huge. You miss out on the supernatural work of God in the earth. You miss out on the supernatural work of God in the earth. You, you, you fall away from fellowship, you're doing life, you're going to work, and it's just a blasé life. The same old routine, week after week after week. But when you're connected with the body of Christ... Now, the Holy Spirit does work in people's individual lives. I agree 100%. He does work on an individual basis. But he also works equally, and I would say even more, within the body of Christ. Because each one of us have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And when we come together, uh, Sun June may have a word of wisdom. Blake may have a word of knowledge to speak into my life. So there's all kind of dynamics that we miss out when we're not part of the body of Christ. And one of them is the supernatural work of God in the church. So important. So y'all ready to dig into this? Two, two avenues we're going this morning. One is, why is it important to be connected? And basically, what do we mean by when we say the church? What does the church mean? 
Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. The Apostle Paul says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now he says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. What are the, all these things he's talking about here? He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about those last week, how the Holy Spirit gives people gifts to minister to other people. And the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit works in the body, through the body. And check this out. The Holy Spirit, because he is God, works for your good. We, we, got to, we got to have the Spirit at work. And we need His tools, the things that He gives us, so that we can accomplish that mission. Yesterday, me and Jimmy showed up at uh, 312 St. Andrews Road. And there's this metal beam in there, and there's this wooden column built around it. And, and Jimmy came and says, what do you want me to do? He, I said, uh, go ahead and start demoing that column. Remove the wood off that column. And we started, we, he got in there, and that thing about kicked our butts. And before you know it, we thought we could just tear it apart. We had to, we had to come in there with a saw saw, with a hammer, with uh, the crowbar. And we, we took forever ripping that thing apart. Imagine if me and you would have walked in that building and we wanted to take that apart and we had no tools. Would we be able to do it? No. I don't think so. That thing was solid as a rock. But imagine us going into our new building, us men, let's say we all show up on a Tuesday night, let's go in here and let's build. The first question y'all are going to ask is, where's the tools? Where's the tools? Where, where, give me my hammer. Give me my crowbar. Imagine if we didn't have no tools. How much would we get done? Nothing. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. We've got to have tools that the Holy Spirit gives us to minister to the body of Christ. Because Everybody's going through something. Everybody's going through a challenging situation. And God knows exactly where you are. He knows where, you, he knows where Brenda's at. He knows where Brenda's going through. And he's going to use somebody else in this body to minister to you if it's not your family or if it's not someone who cares for you. He knows what's going on in life, and he ministers to each other. If the gifts exist, if the gifts of the Spirit exist, and we don't ask, how foolish would that be? To have these disposal, to have this armament, to, to have these weapons, to have these tools to build the kingdom. We can't do it in ourselves. We can't do it in our own strength. We need his tools. And here it says, the same spirit works all these things, talking about the gifts, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. He, the Holy Spirit gives gifts in the body to minister to one another through encouragement, through words of wisdom, through words of knowledge, and he works that way. Let's look at verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. As I said at the beginning of my message, if you go through and you count all the body, the, the, word, the phrase body in this text is 18. Times. So my question to you is, what is the body? What is the body? What is a good definition of the body? It's the believers from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue in this earth that God has called out into his church, the Iglesia. And they're shining forth his light. We are Christ ambassadors. 
in the earth. That's what the church is. That's what, that's what the body is. The, the body is the, is the believers shining forth Christ's glorious light. That's our mission. That's, we, we are Christ's representatives. Question for you, are we representing him? Are we representing him in our home? Are we representing him, men, and how we treat our wives? Our, uh, wives, how you treat your husband. Are we representing Christ in, um, in our workplace, in our daily lives, in our outreach? Are we representing the king? Because that's our ultimate goal. That's our ultimate mission. We need to know our job, and we need to know our mission. And our mission is, all these words, is the Great Commission. It's to reach every man, woman, and child with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To bring forth the glorious light of his word and his truth to people. So that, there's, there's many reasons, but within the context of my passage this morning, so that they can be a part of this body. Life in the body of Christ is meant to be exciting. It's meant to be joyful. It's meant, it's meant, there's meant to be enthusiasm, not this dead, dry, orthodox religion. It's meant to be alive. It's meant to be real. How is the body formed? Look at verse 13. How, how, is, how does this body come to, what, what's the glue that keeps us together? Look at verse 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. What's the emphasis there? One spirit. Your text should have a capital S in front of that spirit representing the Holy Spirit. It starts by being born again. The entryway into the body, the entryway into the kingdom, the entryway into a right relationship with God is when a person becomes born again. And God peels back all the darkness. He removes the scales from our eyes. And we can see. We can, I want, what was that? How's the song? I once was blind, but now I see that's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings us new life. He takes us out of darkness into his glorious light. And it doesn't end there. Then, as we move forward in our Christian life, we grow in God's word, and we grow and move forward walking by the Spirit. So, so important. So, to answer my question, what brings the body together? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So important. It's not our clever devices. It's not our clever schemes. It's not the latest church program. It's not what's cool and hip and relevant and cool light show and, and all that stuff. What brings the body, we've got to remember, we live in a world today that is just oversaturated with visuals and sensation and, and how can we impress the people? How can we bring them in? But we've got to ultimately remember that it's, it's the Holy Spirit that brings people in. What you, what you draw them with is what you'll keep them with. You draw them with the gospel, you'll, you draw them with the gospel and the Bible, you'll keep them with the gospel and the Bible. You, you draw them with cool, fancy light shows and whiz bangers and wows and oohs and ahs, you're going to have to keep that up to keep them. So let's draw them, let's trust in the Lord. Let's let the Holy Spirit do his work in bringing the body of Christ together. Let's, look, let's read verses 14 through 21. For the body is not 
one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, for it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Pastor David, what's going on here? What's this talking about? This is a very, very masterful illustration that the Holy Spirit has given the Apostle Paul in writing his word. The members, we have members that are visible and members that are not visible. Members that are highly visible in in verses 14, 15, 16, we have there the hand, the eyes, the ears, and the nose. They're visible. They're seen a lot. But did you notice the one in here that's not seen? The foot. The foot. Question for you this morning. Have you ever felt like a foot in the church? You ever felt like a foot in life, in ministry? A foot, one is never seen. It's down inside this dark shoe, inside of a stinky sock. And it's never seen, and it's, it's never heard of. It, the, the foot, it works very, very hard. It works very hard. It carries most of the load all day. And you can tell at the end of the night when you pull that sock off and it gives you a little odor. It gives you a little smell because it's worked hard all day. It is the most worked part of the body. But, but the foot, as I said, it's the most worked part of the body. But it's the most important part of the body. It does the most work. It does the most work. So whether you're a foot, you're an eye, your ears, your nose, the, the important point of no matter where you serve in the body is remember is this right here. Look at verse um, 18. No matter what part you are, whether you're the foot that doesn't smell that good or you're the highly visible eye, but now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. The important point there is wherever God places you in the body, wherever you serve, do this. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. I'm going to revisit this in a minute because I, I got some things I want, I want to bring to your attention and show you. But, but just be faithful. You know, and, and, and another thing too, we got to rethink the word church. We got to rethink in our minds what, what is church? What, what is church? Church is not a place we go to. Church, the body, Iglesia, is who we are. You are the church. We are the church. Now, I understand, and Pastor David is going to say it many times, hey, I'll meet you at the church, okay? And that's just our lingo. That's the way we say things. But ultimately, biblically, theologically, um, we are the church. We are the body. And that's so, so important. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, Verse 22. 
On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. So, so important here, are necessary. This is what I have to say on this verse. We need you. We need you. The church needs believers that are connected, that are faithful, and that are an integral part of the body. The NASB says, uh, on the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker. It says they are necessary. But have you ever heard of the, uh, God's Word translation? It's a new translation that came out recently, and I like how it, it does verse 22. It says this, The opposite is true. The parts of the body that we think are weaker are the ones we really need. In other words, those behind the scenes, those less visible ministries, those are the ones that are so, so important. That are so important. Whether it's cleaning restrooms or, or setting up chairs or coming out here early and helping us um, set up or, or whatever ministry that's small, those are important. Those are the ones that matter most. That is where the body is connecting. When, when Jimmy and Maurice meet for coffee away from the church at a coffee place, and they do ministry together. That is so, so important. Jimmy may not tell none of us that he, he, he met with Maurice, but that ministry is so, so important. So ministry should not be judged by the world standards. The world says uh, you want to be seen. You, you want to broadcast it. You want to show it. But that's not how God sees it. God says even the things that are less visible are, are important to me. Amen? Verse 23, and those members of the body, he's going to continue this thought pattern from verse 22, um, continuing on verse 23. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these, he says this, he makes this statement twice. The NASB says, bestows more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Verse 24, Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body. Here it is, that phrase again, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. So there's this, God bestows this abundant honor. Uh, he gives more abundant honor to those who are faithful. What the world considers minuscule, what the world considers minuscule, God holds in high esteem the ministry, when it comes to ministry within the body. And a lot of times I've seen in ministry, this is where God calls ministry leaders from. People that are serving in a lesser capacity. People that are cleaning restrooms. People that are doing all the behind scenes work. God sees faithfulness there, and that's where God calls people to be in leadership. God calls people to be a pastor. How many of you have heard of a uh, Greg Laurie, Harvest, um, Harvest Ministry or Harvest Crusade. I think that's the name of the ministry. Do you, do you know where Greg Laurie got to start? He had a nickname. He was at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa under Chuck Smith. He was the gopher. He cleaned the restrooms. He went to the hardware stores, and he fixed stuff around the church. That was where Greg Laurie got his start at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. He didn't go off to Bible college, get his degree, and say, okay, church, here I am, ready to preach. That was not how Greg Laurie 
started with Harvest Crusade. He started off cleaning toilets. He started off by uh, standing out in the parking lot with the flags, waving people into their parking spots and welcoming people and fixing stuff and changing light bulbs. That's where Greg Laurie started. And God places, the text says, God places more abundant honor on those who serve even in the lesser capacities. So, so important. Um, Verse 25. So that there may be no division in the body, so that the members may have the same care for one another. Here in verse 25, he says, he says, so that there may be no division. No division. That's God's plan for the church. That's God's plan for the local body, for there to be no division. We have to, um, we have to protect our unity. We have to protect our unity within the body. We have to see what's going on across the body, and if we see things that are going on, that are going to cause division, we have to stop those things. We have to uh, understand that all people are equally valued to the Lord. All people have a unique place. All people are important in God's plan. You know, as, as our body grows and the Holy Spirit places something on your heart, maybe he speaks to you in a vision, in your heart, in your prayer time, whatever, Bring that to our attention. Let us fan that flame. Let us help you grow so that you, because not only do you need the church, but check this out, the church needs you. The church needs you because you have unique gifts. Alex has unique gifts that nobody else in here has. Blake has unique gifts in here that nobody else has. And we got to bring those to the body of Christ. The the body of Christ, it's it's a living organism. It's alive. We had that phrase a couple months ago that I put on the website. We are alive. We are alive in Christ. We are alive in fellowship. We are alive in, wor- in the Word. We're alive in worship. We're, we're a living um, organism. Verse 26. But we've got to protect that unity. We've got to guard against division. You know, if united under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. In, in, in other churches, for that matter. With Gateway Baptists. I don't know, the other churches in this area. New Life Community Church. You know, we're going to be down in St. Andrews in a couple months with, with, with CLA, with, with Crossroads. I meet with these pastors, and the body's got to be united. The body's got to be united. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This right here in verse 26 is one of the greatest reasons that you need to be connected. As I said earlier in my sermon, you are not exempt from suffering. You are not, I am not exempt from suffering. We are not exempt from experiencing curveballs in life and things hitting us. But when we go through those difficult situations, whether it's a marriage going south or a child in rebellion or some kind of tragedy, what you need more than anything is you need the body. You need the body to be connected, to to have someone that will hold your hand, to have someone that will talk with you, to have someone that you can cry on their shoulder 
It's something that will minister life to you and hold you through your difficult and trying times. That's what the body is for. The body is not this place to come and look all prim and proper and perfect. Oh, I got it all together. I'm perfect. My life is, is beautiful. That's a lie. That's a lie. Now, there are seasons of our life where things are going well and all is well and everything is, is going well. But all of us go through heartache. All of us go through difficult, trying times where, where tragedy strikes. Something hurts our heart deeply and the scars can go deep. But the Holy Spirit, through the body of Christ, can minister to your scars to your pains, and to the things that's happened to you in the past. Amen? Amen. Amen. The greatest benefit of being in the body of Christ is someone is there for you, not to judge you. You know, we've got to create, I was reading this week, a safe environment. And what I mean by that, yeah, that, that, that definition could go all kind of ways, is this, a place a safe environment is a place where people can come in and be real, be transparent, and receive godly biblical counsel to where we don't judge them in damnation, but we give them the solution and the answer to where to move forward in their life. So we've got to create that environment where people will be open and honest and real so we can minister to their needs and that healing can take place on the inside. The body of Christ, that's how it's supposed to operate. It's, it's, it's supposed to be this beautiful, magnificent hospital where people come in and receive healing and, and their lives get in order and get straight. Okay, enough of that. Uh, not, I, I don't say enough of that because that's a very powerful verse, but I think I've driven home the point. That we're a place for those who are going through difficult times and a place to find healing and a place to say, there's people there that love me and they got my back. Verse 27. Now, you are Christ's body. You're looking at the body of Christ in this room. We are the body. We are his representatives in the earth. That his spirit is dwelling in us. And, this is, and, and it says in verse 27, and individually members of it. Now he's going to go into what he's appointed in the church. Very powerful, profound um, positions, places, offices. But let's look at them. Verse 28, and I'll talk about each one. It says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles. Now, the, the, the word apostles um, is those who have been sent out directly by Jesus himself. Those who the Lord Jesus Christ commissioned. We call them the disciples. We call them the Apostle Paul. Now, we no longer have them in the earth. They, they, they are gone. So we don't have those original apostles. So we don't believe that we have apostles like them today, because we don't. They weren't, there's no people here that were commissioned directly by the Lord Jesus Christ. But what does the word apostle mean? It means messenger. It means sent out one. Now, we don't call nobody apostle today, or we don't call people, give them that title of apostle. But what we do have, what I believe has replaced 
uh, the apostle, is missionaries. Is, is missionaries. Is, um, is church planters. But we have missionaries and we have church planters. And what's their job in the body? The same thing as the, as the early disciples. To go out and establish churches. When it, when the, whenever um, a missionary or church planter goes out and establishes a church, what's the first thing they bring? They bring passion. They bring zeal. And we need those people with that gifting in our body that, that, that are a missionary, that are a church planner. They're the ones that are on fire. They bring zeal, and that adds to the body of Christ. And that's why you need to be a part of the body and why the body needs to be a part of you so you can share in that zeal, so you can share in that passion as, as we send out church planters and, and, and grow the kingdom. Very important. Very important. Second, uh, verse 28, God has appointed in the church first apostles, which we have missionaries and church planters, they not apostles. Next one is there. Second is prophets. Now, a prophet is what? A prophet, the definition of the word prophet is a spokesman for God. When we think about prophet in the purest definition, who do we think of? We think of uh, Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Well, we don't have those guys no more, prophets in the sense of writing, writing scripture. We don't give that title today and say, oh, there's Prophet Robert coming in. What word do you have for us today? No, we don't have that. But here's what we do have. Here's what I, do, here's what I believe we do have. When you add this to what we looked at last week, you have believers with the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Last week, I said that prophecy is only speaking forth the word of God. I want to add to that. Prophecy is also when a mentor, a believer with the gift of prophecy, when he speaks into other people's life. He speaks into other people's life concerning vision, concerning future. Now, it's not one of those come up and, woo, Jimmy, you're going to Africa, when I don't even hardly know Jimmy. I don't believe the gift of prophecy works like that. What I believe it works is, is when there's a mentor and, and, and someone being discipled and they work together and they grow together and that mentor speaks vision into that person's life. He speaks vision. He says, I see God doing great things in your ministry. Or he confirms with Jim and Kim and says, hey, I see a marriage ministry in your future. Um, back in the early 90s, there was a Southern Baptist preacher. I believe, I believe he pastored Riverland Hills back in the 80s. But his name was Al Bozard. And I would go to his office every week and sit and listen to this Southern Baptist preacher. And he just poured into my life. He got to know me. He got to know who I was. He got to know my background. He got to know my family. He got to know everything about me. He, he was intricately interested in how David Ford was doing. And he po over the years, he poured into my life. And I believe the Southern Baptist preacher... Al Bozard, who's now gone home to be with the Lord, who pastored Riverland Hills Baptist back in the 80s, he spoke prophetically into my life. Because many of the things that he spoke to me back in the 90s, 
many of the things that he spoke to me are now coming to pass. That's the gift of prophecy. That's the prophetic voice of the Lord speaking from one believer to another believer concerning gifts and callings and things that you're going to do in the future. So we have those in the church. They, through mentoring, through discipling, they speak vision into people's life. And they, they say, hey, Rodney, this is what I see y'all doing, man. Based on everything I see going on in your life and what you're plugged in and what you're doing, I see this is the direction y'all are going. And then Rodney's like, oh, man, I was thinking the same thing. And there's like this confirmation as you move forward. So they speak into our life. Third, third is teachers. God has placed teachers in the church. He's placed pastor teachers in the church, according to Ephesians. What, what is their job? To teach the word. To teach the word. That's the most important thing. That's the most important ministry that takes place when believers come together. On Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, whenever they come together, is that the word of God is taught. How should you judge a pastor? Let me say this. How should you judge me? How should you judge me or, you, or judge any pastor or any church you go to in the future? When you go into a church, do they open the Bible? It's that simple. Do they open the Bible? Does the pastor open the Bible and teach from the Word? You know, we can't just do it any old way we want to. There's this thing called the pastoral epistles. You want to know how to judge, how to evaluate a pastor. Look at the pastoral epistles. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus give the pastor, give the teacher, give their leaders their marching orders and teaching, and teaching the word. Why? To make this a place, remember we talked about you belonging, to make this a place where you can come in and grow in the word of God. So, we, so we're judged by Teaching the Word. Many, many, many years ago, 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago, me and Irene, we went through about, I guess about 18 months. Couldn't find a church. The kids, they were suffering. We were going from church to church. And all we were looking for is, is a church that would open up the Bible. You know, and I had high standards. I was not a pastor. I was not a pastor, but I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to get up early in the morning, I'm going to get the kids ready. I'm going to get up early and go through all that rigmarole. Please, pastor, teach me the Bible. Please teach me the Bible. And um, went into a church one time and kind of been going there for a little bit. And it just what, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. And, and the, finally, um, the uh, preacher got there and said, uh, I remember it very clearly. It cemented in my brain as, as, a, as, as a statement to myself of something I would never be as a pastor. He got up there and he said, he said these exact words. If you came here this morning to hear a theological sermon, you come to the wrong place. I'm just here to help you get through the week. And he, you know, kind of rocking his shoulders back and forth doing that. You ready for the punchline? The whole place erupted in praise. Me and Irene looked at each other and said, this ain't for us. We said, this ain't for us. I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being judgmental. 
I love them. I pray for them. I love them. I, I, I pray for them. And I know God is doing great and mighty works there now. And revival's taking place. And the word of God is being preached. And praise the Lord. But as a husband, as a father, as the leader of my home, at that time and period, I, 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 I want to learn this book. You know, my, my, my thoughts when I was going into a church was, Preacher, I'm entrusting my eternity to what you have to say from that pulpit. Please open that Bible. Just open it. Just open it. Just read it. I'm good. Just open it. You, know, you ain't got to expound on it. You ain't behind lofty. But just get into the Word. So, the third gift there is teachers. This teachers. It's so important. It's so important. Now, Calvary Chapel, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You know, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, topical, um, getting into word studies, getting, just, just get into the word somehow. Just, just, let's just get into, the, let's get into the Bible and let's learn what the Bible says. It's the most relevant thing that we can learn today. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God brings change. And God has given teachers to teach it. Let's look at the next one. Uh, going, one more thing. Going back to teachers. Why you need to belong to the church. Why you need to be connected is so that you can learn and grow in the word. All right, let's roll. The next one there. Then miracles. Hey, I believe in miracles. I believe in a supernatural God, this almighty, all-powerful, and he can invade the laws of nature and change things supernaturally. I make no apologies about that. If, if, if people deny miracles, man, throw the whole Bible out. Because the whole entire Bible, the whole entire Bible, all the books of the Bible are a book of miracles. And we serve a supernatural God. And he still moves mountains. And if you're facing a mountain, if you're facing a mountain in life, you're facing a difficult situation where there seems to be no answer, you need to be connected in the body of Christ so that, I wrote this down, you need to be connected concerning, talking about the, this miracles here, you need to be connected so that when you're going through a difficult situation, that you have someone to pray with and to believe God for a supernatural answer. That's what we need. People say that miracles don't happen no more. I, I, I strongly disagree. You know, I see the evidence of his mighty hand in creation. I see the awesomeness of his word. I read what's happened to the to the saints of the past. I see a little baby born into this world and all that science that's involved there. He's a supernatural God that can produce miracles. Miracles still happen, I believe, today. Um, the next one there, it says, then the gifts of healing. Another reason that you need to be connected into an integral part of the body. Another reason that you need to be connected here in this body or in the body that God calls you to, is one day you will need healing. One day you will need healing. It may be in your heart. It may be in your mind. It may be physical. But you will need healing. I know many of you are going through trying circumstances, difficult situations, and you're being beat down, and your heart's heavy, 
and you're being drugged through the mud. And what your heart needs more than anything is healing. And healing, healing takes place in the body of Christ. We, we, we minister to you, not only to your heart, but to your mind, but we also pray for healing. We pray for healing when someone is sick, and we ask the Lord to heal that person. We ask God to heal that person. But more important than physical healing is the spiritual healing, is the heart healing, is the mind healing. And that very seldom takes place when you're out there on an island by yourself. But I believe it supernaturally takes place when you're surrounded by the body and you're surrounded by believers. Um, So important, so important. This next one here, um, the gift of uh, helps. Helps is is, is simply, uh, the gift of helps is, 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 is people serving people. Is people serving people. You need to be connected with the body so people can serve you. You need to be connected with the body so you can serve people, to help other people. How many of you ever um, watched or, or read the book, uh, Pilgrim's Progress? Who pulls Christian, who pulls Christian out of the, uh, the slaw of despond, the swamp of despond? Who pulls him out? What was his name? Who, who pulls Christian out of the, out, out of the swamp of, of despair? His name was Helps. <laughs> his name was Helps. And that's what the ministry of Helps is. It's people helping people. And let me tell you, in our short two and a half years of existence, I have seen that gift just sweeping across our body. Anytime people need help, anytime people are sick, we got people jumping on, saying, I'll go help them. I'll go help them. And that's what the body of Christ is. People think helps. Have you, ever, you ever heard a sermon on helps? Maybe we'll do a Sunday. Maybe one Sunday we'll do a, do a teaching on the ministry of helps. But it's simply this. It's people helping people. That's, is that not what it's all about? I remember I was meeting with Pastor John over at Lexington, and uh, he was talking to me about teaching. And he said, David, when you get up there to teach the word, sometimes you're going to get nervous. Sometimes you might get a little shaky. But at the end of the day, Pastor John reminded me, just remember this. You're, just, you're helping the people. You're, you're helping the people minister to the word of God. You're helping, pe- you're helping people by ministering the word of God to them. At the end of the day, we want to help each other, to build each other up. That's what our calling is. That's what, that's what helps is. So you need to be connected so you can get help and so that you can help others and serve other people. Next one there, the, the next uh, thing he's appointed in the church is administration. Administration is leadership. You got to have leadership. You got to have organization. You got to have structure. But you, you, you got to have leadership. The next one, he says there, is various kinds of tongues. We talked about this last week. There's tongues, two places in the Bible. In Acts chapter 2, there's the tongues that's given where they spoke in another language. It was known by the other people. And that's one view of tongues where it's, you speak in another language, but these other people recognize that language. So it's like you're speaking in a different language. But then when you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it talks about um, a prayer language. It talks about uh, uh, 
a, a language that's known only to God. It, it talks about um, a tongue that you're speaking to, it says in, in Corinthians, you're speaking to God, and it says in the text there, you're not speaking to men. So we have two different, we have two different um, biblical views on tongues. What I believe he's talking about here, various kinds of tongues, he's talking about prayer. He's, he's talking about prayer. And you need to be connected to the body so that people can pray for you. And that, again, that one happens a lot in this body. You know, being a pastor, I get a lot of email traffic and phone calls and texts. And there's prayer requests going up all the time where somebody's going through a difficult situation, somebody's in the hospital, somebody's hurting, and we call for the church to pray. And that's why you need to be connected so that when you go through a difficult situation, you've got people praying for you. And then on top of that, a benefit of you being, being a part of the body is so that you can be the ones praying. You can be the ones praying for other members in the body. So, so important that we have the prayers going up for saints. God changes things, okay? You know, when we work, we work. But when we pray, who works? God works. God works. So we need people that are praying in tongues. Let's, let's look at verses 29 through 31. And the, and, the, and the question you have to ask, a common question that people ask on the subject that we're fixing to read is this. Does everybody get all these gifts? Is this gift, is, this, is the gift of tongues, let's talk about that one, because that's the most common question, is the gift of tongues for all? Let's look at what it says. Verse 29, it answers it. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracle, are they? All do not have the gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? He's asking a rhetorical question, and the answer is simply no. Not everyone has the gift of tongues. Not everyone has the gift of teacher. Not everyone has the gift of leadership and, the, and the, the, gifts, the different gifts. God gives them as he so desires back at verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desires. As he's placed them in the body, he gives them the gifts that he has given them to edify the body. So the, question, the answer is no. Not everyone has the gift of tongues or not everyone has the, the, the gifts of, of healing and leadership and teachers. Uh, he spreads the gifts across the body. Verse 31, we're going on the mountaintop next Sunday. Let me say that. We're going on the, the mountaintop next Sunday of what God does with his Holy Spirit in us. Let me repeat that. We're going on the mountaintop next week. The supreme gift that the Holy Spirit gives believers. And this gift is not mentioned here. It's mentioned next week because it's the gift of the Spirit that all believers should possess. Verse 31, But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a still more excellent way. Let me just say this. This is my disclaimer. This is my thoughts I close, uh, I close with this morning. If you've had a bad experience in church in the past, it's not supposed to be that way. 
if you've had a bad experience in fellowship, in church, I don't care what you've done, where you've been, it's not supposed to be that way. And for that, I apologize. Church life, operating in the body, is meant to be exciting. It's meant to be awesome. It's meant to be earth-shaking. It's meant to be, oh, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to get to Bible study. I can't wait to go to student ministry night and see what Warren's got to say. But I can't wait to go to Panera Bread and listen to Alex share with the students what God has placed on her heart. It's meant to be exciting. It's meant to be joyful. And being connected to the body matters. The body of Christ, we're not a building. We're, we're an organism that the Holy Spirit inhabits. And we are Christ's ambassadors in the earth. We are his representation in the earth. That's who we are. And being connected matters for four things. Being connected matters because you need fellowship. If you don't have fellowship, you will dry up. You will dry up. Uh, being connected matters, number two, because that's where the Holy Spirit works the most. Yes, I know he works on an individual basis. He, he operates in your life and gives you visions and dreams and gets you in the Word and helps you love Jesus more. But in the body, he works even more. Third reason why being connected matters is the church, the body of Christ, is a place for healing, a safe place for you to come, be real, be transparent, and get things right with the Lord. And finally, why being connected matters is, is this. We're a place to come and grow. A place to come and grow to love Jesus more, to love him more. It's a place for us men to come and learn how to be godly men and how to love our wives as Christ loved the church. It's a place for women to come to be that godly woman that blossoms like a beautiful tree and takes care of her family. The body of Christ, the church, is an amazing organism. It's, a, it's an amazing body. It's an amazing structure. It's comprised of many different denominations, of many solid Bible-believing churches across the denominations. But that's what we're meant to be, to be alive. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, uh, help us today to see the church in a new light. Help us to see each other as the church, as the body, as Christ's representatives in the earth. Help us to bring your word, to bring your truth, to bring your healing, to bring your fellowship to people's hearts and lives so they can be everything that you've called them to be. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the body. And for those in this room that have been hurt in the past, been spurned, pray God that you would just show them this morning by your Holy Spirit that the body is where they belong for healing. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen.